Welcome to the Brinkman Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the audio drama The Brinkman Adventures. I'm your host, Eric Schilder. And I'm Sarah Bowman. And we're here. It's summer. It is. It's so nice. Or, or what we call road construction season here in Wisconsin. <laughs> it's it's the same. In Minnesota, they call it bridge construction, oh, but I think it's clever. about the same. And we've had, we've had great weather. It's been hot. Um, not as hot as some of the places we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I understand you just got back from a short-term's mission trip to... I did, yes. I was in Zambia and I was in Ireland. Okay, there's not a lot of connection between those two countries. <laughs> very different. <laughs> they were very different. I had an amazing time in Zambia. I was doing, oh, I was I was documenting eight different ministries. So I got to connect with lots of missionaries, see a lot of what they're doing. Incredible stuff happening there. And I just got so excited and filled up. I love going whenever I can. Yeah, encouraging did you, missionaries. Did you get any stories that we could tell? Oh, maybe. maybe. I did hear some amazing stories. And in Ireland, I was leading a bunch of 15 and 16 year olds on a pilgrimage, a spiritual pilgrimage. And that was incredible. But that's also why you hear my voice sounding a bit odd, because I also picked up a very small cold of some sort. Don't, in don't the let hills her, of Ireland. <laughs> don't let her fool you. <laughs> she's trying to keep it back now. That she, she's starting <laughs> to pick up. Accent, a, she's starting to pick up a brogue while she's there. <laughs> I was trying really hard, but uh, it's difficult. And and it was an exciting adventure. Actually, we kind of kept up on it, sort of online. <laughs> what was going on? And at one point, we had uh, an exciting thing happen to you, uh, which closely mirrors mm-hmm. the episode that we're going to be talking about today. It's true. And we'll get to that at the very, very end. because it's secret surprise. It's, it's not super profound, but it's kind of <laughs> cool. Uh, the episode we're actually talking about today is from season one, going all mm-hmm. the way back to season one. Uh, it actually was a two-parter. Um, it was episodes seven and eight uh, called Papua New Guinea. That's right. And... Um, so uh, I, one thing I forgot to say, and, and we're we're a little rusty because it's summer, but this is episode twenty. If you're if you're keeping track and you're you know like which episode is this? It's episode twenty of this particular podcast. So we're talking about Papua New Guinea, and I believe we have a clip that we're going to roll as soon as Engineer Josh rolls it. Gang, there's something I need to tell you about. On the way to pick you up, I ran over a pig near the village up ahead. Pigs are very valuable. People here use them as a form of money. Wars are even fought over pigs. Last year, we hit one with our truck, and the villagers came out and threw stones at our vehicle. Oh, great. I don't think we'll have any problems. I stopped, and the pig got up and ran into the bush, so it was probably okay. Besides, I don't think anybody saw me hit it. I'm telling you, though, because I want you to be on the alert. If it looks like there's going to be any trouble, lay down flat in the truck bed, and I'll step on it. Sounds like a plan. Pile back in, and let's get home to a cop-up. Why is it slowing down? There's a bunch of trees lying in the road. That can't be good. Raj, is everything okay? These weren't here before. Look at those people coming out of the bushes. Oh no, they have war paint on their faces. And they're armed. They have weapons. What do we do? Eat. Lay down now. Jesus, please protect us. Get out of the truck. No, you can't do this. Hey, hey, stop. It was only a little pig. They just threw him over the edge of the road. One of the guys is going to drive the truck. 
Oh, Lord, we need you now. Oh, no. Here come the others. They're going to jump in with us. You people lay down and don't move. Women, you lay up there in front. Then you come back here and lay down. Don't cry anything, or you'll be sorry. Tantam, Mikashalem. Some go Loshako, Yako, Aremolo, Archip. No, I'm so scared. It's okay. It's okay, Kate. Let's pray right now. Don't move. I love that. <laughs> I love that. So the the two parter uh, is it's it's a really uh, neat story where uh, Michelle is going on a trip to Papua New Guinea, and the, the parents, the Brinkman parents, decide to send along Kate, her littler sister and uh, there's a lot of neat there's a lot of neat sibling stuff in there uh how that goes how the relationship goes with that but eventually they do get to uh they do get to Papua New Guinea and the clip that we just heard is kind of their introduction right after they get off of the uh the airplane so uh now there's a lot of neat things that happen in the episode and uh I was surprised to find that a lot of the things that in the episode were factual. Yes, they actually happened. Now, they didn't happen to the Brinkman kids, no. but they happened to our guest. Yeah, they were not born. The Brinkman kids were not born yet. No, they weren't born. This happened a while back. And the person here who experienced that is with us in the studio, and he happens to be the chief cook and bottle washer for the Brinkman Adventures, Ian Boltman. Hi, Ian. Hello. There he is. <laughs> so, you know, it must be easy just being able to write these stories, just drawing on all your own experiences. Yeah, so right. now uh, I asked you in kind of pre-show, how much of this whole saga was based on your own experiences? So, yeah, quite a bit, actually. We had the boot camp and a lot of it happened. Where was where was the boot camp? Missouri. It was in Missouri. And you know, Ian was 16 at the time, right? You were 16 Something years old. Something like that, yeah. Okay, when you were 16, I think I was six, because I'm 10 years younger than you. And we were in Canada, and the bus came through Chatham, mm -hmm. and we met him on the highway, and they yes. picked me up. Do you remember that? I remember it. And you know, it, to me, that was always such a fun memory as a kid, because, and people don't do this anymore, I don't know why, but the big bus was coming, and um, my dad said, how are, how are they going to recognize us? We're just a van on the side of the highway. We just picked a mile <laughs> marker somewhere on the side of the highway. And my dad said, I know, I've got a great idea. He took some some masking tape and they made a huge smiley face on the side of our van window. And a the name of the truck, what was the name of it, Ian? It was some... MOI. MOI, stop for a passenger. <laughs> and I just remember the cars whizzing by and all of us kids stuffed in the van like, this is so exciting. I hope they, they get him. Anyway, it was it was a fun moment even for me as a little six-year-old watching that part. my brother jump on the car and they found us. And, and I thought to myself, does this happen often? Was it like a coach bus or a school bus? No, it was a big old school bus painted white. Okay. <laughs> one of those. One of those buses. Yeah. Uh, retired school bus. The, one of the funny. ones where the gears are just kind of optional. Yeah, yep. exactly. So uh, so you, you didn't have a sibling with you, though, did you? No, just me. Just you. And you were 16 years old. Something like that. And you went to the boot camp in Missouri. Mm-hmm. And did they make you wear your boots? I don't remember that. Because that was, that was a big part. That was, was in the episode. They had was? to wear the boots all yeah, the time. Yeah, I remember the spoon. I mean, they did, they did have one spoon. 
Okay. Did you, we had, do we you had, still have yours? No. And we had to wash our clothes <laughs> in buckets. Hmm. Okay. Nice. What did you, because not everyone who goes on mission trips does a boot camp like this. I actually thought that was a really cool idea. So can you talk to us a little bit about how that was for you doing that first? Yeah, it was great because it it um, caused team unity and we had to get to know each other. So we weren't having, we weren't having the awkward getting to know people on mm-hmm. the team or on the trip, but mm-hmm. we were doing that pre-trip. Um, we, we had to overcome challenges. We had to pull people over walls and, um, there were great chapels in the evening and mm. where they would preach to us and mm-hmm. encourage us and remind us why we were doing this. And so, mm. yeah, it was, it was great. The boot camp was really good. That's cool. Yeah. I would, I would say too, because I just went to Africa, like we said, and before you go on a trip, you're so busy. There's things happening, slamming you up until the last minute, basically. And I led a very small team of like three three people, you know, three ladies and myself. And I wished we had had more focus time together before the trip, especially kind of a spiritual focus of where, why are we here? You know, getting mm-hmm. our hearts all on the same page, it would have been it would have not that the trip was bad, but I just see the value in that so much. So it's really cool that that's featured in this episode. And I think anybody listening to this, if you have a chance to do something like that before your trip, do it. It'll make a big difference. I think we spent ten days in boot camp. Ten days. And yeah, how long and was your trip? All summer. Well, I, I think maybe two months. Okay. Um, but the those ten days, we physically we had to work hard, mm-hmm. and they would teach us things like never take your shoes off in New Guinea. There's mm-hmm. worms there, and just. All kinds of things, hmm. going through all that stuff so it wasn't being told to you on the mm-hmm. ground. And some churches do that before you go. They'll meet every Wednesday night, mm-hmm. you know. But it was really a bonding experience. We had to we had to sleep in our tents and really rough it. It was a rough boot camp. <laughs> and I imagine that actually reduces down sort of the culture, environmental shock as mm-hmm. well. You know, you don't I think so. You don't step off mm-hmm. of an air conditioned whatever <laughs> and all of a sudden it's, you know, a right. hundred degrees and, and there's bugs the size of your fist everywhere. You're like what? I can't have a monster drink every day? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, but eventually your boot camp, obviously you made it through that and you went to Papua New Guinea. And were you doing something similar to what was described in the episode, building something or we were. What we were you we doing? built a chapel slash uh cafeteria. Okay, so it was just like the episode right. where yep. it was cafeteria. And there was a latrine pit. Yes, a pig got out, so we chased the pig, and it was dark, and I fell into a, uh, an old pit. They had moved the latrine, the outhouse, and I was running, and suddenly I was in midair, and I went right into the mud. Now, we've, we've all fallen into ponds <laughs> or rivers at one point in our life. I cannot imagine the horror of falling into a latrine Well, bed. I thought it was kind of fun at the time. I didn't know what, what? what it was, actually. <laughs> it was dark, and I, I landed, and it was a soft landing, and and they got me out, pulled me out. I had to have help getting out, and, and then somebody said, that's an outhouse hole. And so then it wasn't quite so fun. <laughs> when I talked to the missionaries, they became concerned because of cholera, and they said, you, you could get really sick from that, so you need to take a shower right now. And so, yeah, we were a little bit worried for a couple of days there, but everything was cool. I was fine. So the, the, the illness that Kate comes down to, that, that was added into this particular episode to right. highlight the whole sibling thing. That's and where the idea came from. Did you catch the pig at least? No. No. Someone else did. I didn't. 
Okay, but it was all for nothing for you mm-hmm. falling into the hole. And <laughs> but funny. you didn't get sick, which is 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 praise the Lord for that. You didn't get sick because to be ill on a missions trip or actually any time you're kind of away from your home base is is a nasty thing. But uh, some of the other things that were highlighted, um, one of the other characters who was not uh, strictly speaking a speaking character was the cassowary. Did I say that right? That's right. The cassowary. And uh, we were told about them, warned about them. And so for the whole trip, I was terrified that we'd run into a cassowary. And so we go out into the jungle and I was always looking over my shoulder. And and actually, at one point, we did meet somebody who had a pet cassowary, which we thought Hmm. was so cool. It was in a cage. Uh, So it didn't run around around wild like in the story. And in in the actual story, um, as we hear it, are the noises, did you get that from somewhere? I mean, are those... that the actual that's a, noise it makes? That's a real cassowary. Yeah, and we had, that's that's a cool God story, actually. We had tried and tried. We finally found a cassowary sound, and the guy found out that we were a Christian program and said we couldn't use it. And it was the only one we could find. And I had looked and looked for hours, probably, on the internet, trying to find a cassowary sound, and they're rare. They make a very unique sound. And um, one day, I needed it the next day, I think, because I was to that point where we really couldn't move on until I got that. And I uh, followed a link and I found a guest house, I think like a hotel. And I emailed them and told them what I was looking for. And the next morning I was at the dentist actually. And I got an email from them with the MP3 right there. And they said, yep, we had a friend here. He, he died now, but he did a documentary and did a lot of recording of the cassowaries. It was called the Cassowary House, I think. Oh. And it was in Australia. And they said, you can have this. You can use it for free. And so it was like right at the right time. And, and uh, that sound is just really neat. It's a very mm-hmm. low sound. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's kind of powerful. I mean, the, the sound design is really neat in this episode yeah, because is. you have a lot of, you know, you've got the cassowary. You've got the kind of the ambient noise, the birds and stuff. One of my favorite parts, uh, I just re-listened to it today, was the uh, didgeridoo when you know, oh, yeah. wow, 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 yep. thing going on. <laughs> Jim, I, I, Jim found that. Jim Wright found oh, that. Oh, that's just, that, yeah. it just kind of sets everything off mm-hmm. as, okay, this is very foreign. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how about the Bird of Paradise sound? Is that also? That, that came off from a recording that we found. Yeah, we found that online and, and got permission to use that. One of my favorite t- moments of sound-wise is the Bluebird of Paradise sound because it's such a unique sound. Mm-hmm. I mean, that interesting vibrating, you know, if you listen with headphones, it's just, it's amazing. And I love birds. So just imagining, you know, Kate yeah. seeing this beautiful bird that's really rare and then hearing the sound, man, it's such a cool sound. Did you actually see a Bluebird of Paradise when you were there? I saw, I don't know if it was a Bluebird of Paradise. I saw a, a Bird of Paradise. Okay. And I really, I mean, again, I really wanted to see one. And National Geographic had come, I guess, I was told when I was there, and they, they didn't see one. So they, hmm. they are pretty rare. And there's this kid that I got to know, and he said, I'll show you where they are. I know where they're at. Was he a local Yeah. Kid? And he said, um, we kind of keep it secret because we don't want, we don't want people to hunt them. Oh. But he took me way back in the jungle, and we saw him, and it was amazing. Wow. Just like the episode. Yeah. That's exactly so cool. like it. Yeah. yeah. And that and that young guy too, he had kind of a spiritual awakening while we were there. And um I got to pray with him and read the Bible with him and and I'm sure the missionaries had been, you know, witnessing to him before we came, but we kind of hit it off and and uh, he was a neat guy and um we, I totally lost touch with him. Wrote a couple letters when I first got back and and recently he found me on Facebook. 
what? which is really cool. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, and so he he's a friend of mine on Facebook and um yeah, every once in a while he'll like something that we post and <laughs> he was a, he turned into a school teacher. That's really and so, special. What, what, I mean, that's one of the neat things is that when here's someone who's, you know, the Lord brought you together and then you kind of went your own ways for a while and now you kind of get brought together again. So just just kind of amazing how things work out that way, the way the, the Lord orchestrates bringing people, even for short periods of time, yeah. bringing people together mm-hmm. and then the impact that they have. So mm-hmm. I, I wanted to ask about yeah. the impact on you of this mission trip. Uh, you're 16. It was, was it your first kind of real yeah. mission trip yep. away? And you come back and you have the reverse culture shock, I'm sure, and that happens. Mm-hmm. So what what were some of the things that God showed to you both during and then after uh, this experience? Yeah. So when I was there, I I looked at these missionaries and I saw what they were doing and, and I saw the lives that they were living. And at the end of the trip, I said to myself, I could be a missionary. This is really cool. Hmm. And I never forgot that. That had a lasting impact on me. And and it shaped me for years after that. And I believe that part of the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing today is because of that trip. I really believe that. And so I'm a firm believer in short-term mission trips hmm. and taking kids and putting them out there. And I know there's there's some debate about whether it's a good idea and it costs a lot. Yeah. Um, but this was impactful to me. Mm-hmm. And um, God used it. God showed me also on this trip that he was real. I, I saw, you know, I'd been taught all my life that, that God is real, but I hadn't really seen miracles maybe or seen um, him do things that sometimes you see on the mission field. For instance, on the airplane, we were coming back and it, it was daytime in Papua New Guinea and it was nighttime in the U.S., because we're flipped to it's the other side of the world. And so we were flying over mm-hmm. Dallas. And I remember our team was just kind of going crazy because we were back in the States and so excited to see everybody. And they're singing. And you can imagine the, the lights are off in the airplane. And, and I remember thinking, um, this, isn't, this, this isn't a good testimony. And so I asked them to be quiet. And they, they were quiet for a couple minutes. And then they got loud again. And me and my buddy were sitting together and we're like, what do we do? And... Um, I just prayed, God, will you make them be quiet? And immediately, it was like a switch went off, and they all got quiet. And I remember looking at my watch, waiting for them to start up again. Five minutes after I prayed and they were silent, I turned around, and they were all sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, that, wow. was, that was one of those moments again. I mean, it was a small thing, but God showed me in that moment, yes, I'm, I'm real, and, and I answer prayer. And um, so I, I got to see some of those things happen mm-hmm. in other people's lives too. And so for me, my faith kind of went from uh, more theoretical sure. to to real when I was over there. These, wow. these mission trips have a profound impact. And I just want to take two seconds and say, you know, uh, this time of year or actually all, all year round, you might have students or even older folks coming coming to you and telling you about this missions trip that you're that they're going to go on, whether it's a short term or a long term, and really prayerfully consider supporting, especially especially the younger people, because it's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, as we've seen with Ian, you know, here here he's sixteen years old and he goes mm-hmm. on a mission trip 
And now, you know, centuries later, <laughs> he's, you know, he's still involved in missions and it's, it's become a passion. It's become something that the Lord has really used uh, in, in his life and in, as a result, the rest of us as well. So really prayerfully consider supporting, whether it's financially or, or even just your prayers mm-hmm. or, or helping out. Um, you know, with siblings or, or any of those kinds of things. So, and and Sarah, now we're going to return back to your trip because, you know, we're going to come full circle in 16, Ooh, a century ago. And now just recently you, you came back from, from Ireland. And can you tell us a little bit about what happened to you that kind of mirrors the falling in the uh, latrine pit? <laughs> <laughs> well, I did not fall in any pit, thankfully. Not like stinky, no. And I don't think they have, maybe they have an island, I don't know. Um, my, my my story was just, it was kind of silly, but I, I saw I was on the Aran Islands in Ireland, and they're beautiful, and we were all riding bikes, and I saw a seal that I want to take a picture of. So all the students were up ahead of me, and I, oh, they're safe, they're fine. I jumped over this little stone wall, stumbled a little bit, fell down this small embankment, and cracked my knee open on a rock that was hidden in the grass. And I thought I was fine. We glued it shut. There was a nurse on the trip, and she glued it shut with that, you know, adhesive glue, medical glue. And, um, but I didn't realize you're not supposed to do that to a knee. You're supposed to keep it open so it can heal. And the next day it got very badly infected and I had to go to the ER in Ireland. That was my <laughs> it's the It's the story. ER. It's the AR. You gotta go to the ER. <laughs> but you know, it was interesting. And this is something that I think is so cool because God is real and because we're his kids and part of his kingdom, he uses everything. And I thought to myself, why am I wasting this whole day going to the hospital? Um, I had to go to the clinic in the morning, had to take a ferry to the Galway, had to take a bus trip, an hour and a half bus trip to the hospital, then a taxi, then wait for all of that. On the way back, I missed the bus. It was I was two minutes late to get on the big bus. That's, you know, $10 to get back. I missed it by two minutes because I was limping so slowly. Oh. Well, the bus drove off without us, and I thought, shoot, now it's going to take so much longer. Or I don't know, it's just going to be more expensive. Sure enough, we had to get a taxi, just a single taxi cab to bring us. And I thought, well, this is expensive. And I said, whatever. I have to get I have to get there. So we get riding and I had been praying and saying, Lord, I want to share that gospel more. I I want to share with I love talking to strangers and sometimes it's awkward to talk to strangers about the gospel, but I like to do it, you know, when the doors open. So I cannot even explain to you, but I just stumbled into sharing the gospel with this cab driver. It was an hour and a half drive. And for about an hour, we just talked and talked. And he just had, he had the big questions like, why would a loving God allow children to die of cancer? You know, all of these big questions that I'm like, oh my word, that's a hard one. And just, (laughs) but I just went for it. And I just felt the joy of, of the Lord in me and just the spirit speaking through me. And at the end, he, he was really serious. And he said, do you think this particular sin is forgivable. And I thought, wow, you know, God is working in this man's heart. So at the end of the day, I looked down at my hobbling, limping little leg, and I thought, you know what? If this was for that man, mm-hmm. I would do it all over again. That's really neat, Sarah. <laughs> so, yeah, God is so good. That is a great story. It, oh, that's a really great story. Um, and you know, it just goes to to kind of illustrate that, you know, God's 
I think it's uh, actually says it in the episode several times that God's ways are not our ways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we plan for things and we work them out. And then uh, God says, well, no, I I want you over here. And through his providence, he sets those things up and gives gives us the the faith and endurance and the blessing Mm -hmm. to share the gospel with people who we wouldn't have otherwise had, yeah. had come in contact with. Never so would have met him. In the last few minutes here, just um, for, from both of you, can you give a couple of uh, examples of ways that we can either pray or support short-term missions? Well, like you said, it, when, when the kids write you, you can throw a check in the mail and encourage them because it, it really is life-changing and mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so worth it. I think, you know, Ian, I think back, and I wanted to say this briefly about what you had said about the guy in Papua New Guinea. Um, whenever, this is a theory I have, I don't know if it's exactly true, but I, whenever I meet someone who has this burning thing in their heart for a certain place or a certain trip, I kind of take that as God knows that there's somebody over there that this one in particular will minister to really well. So whenever I see that that light in somebody, like, I really want to go to Africa, or there's something about this place I just feel like I need to go or have to go or want to go, I think, you know what, I wonder if that's the Lord exciting them for this person who he knows over there that he loves so deeply, and he's just getting this one ready. Um, Because I thought, you know, you hit it off so well with that kid. You know, mm-hmm. you take another kid, throw him next to that kid, and he'd probably be like, rah, rah, rah. but it just, your personality hit it off. He was at a place in his in his walk spiritually where he was ready to receive, and you were the right person. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you see someone excited to go on a trip, help them be wise about it, of course. But I think for us to trust that God is sovereign and he is moving, mm-hmm. and to be a part of that, we have to say yes and help others say yes. Um and then the other thing I would say, when they come back from a trip, especially a young person, if anyone is listening and you know anybody that's gone on a short-term trip, please take some time after the trip and take them out just for ice cream or for coffee or something and give them two hours and just ask them question after question. Because so much has normally, so much has changed in them, mm-hmm. their perception, a lot has happened, and there's not enough time to unpack it when you ask them, how did it go? They can't even start to unpack it, but they need to. And for you to be a person to listen to them is a valuable gift for them, but also for you. And um, and the other thing it does is it helps them begin to walk out that new person that they want to be, that God wants them to be. That's here. great. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, a, that's a really great insight. And, you know, I, I think that that's something we can all do. It doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily just time and the stories are great. Mm-hmm. And if there's anyone out there that's uh, had their own story and they, they don't have anyone to listen to, uh, why don't you contact us? I'd love to listen to I'd, it. I'd love to listen <laughs> as well. You can send us an email or, or go to the website, uh, brinkmanadventures.com, and share your story. Okay, one last thing before we end. Ian, please tell us, did you really get kidnapped by the locals at the beginning of your trip? Well, <clears throat> we got picked up, and the driver said, I hit a pig on the way here to get you. And so just be on the lookout for anything strange. And so we we looked out for maybe an hour or so and nothing happened. And and maybe after an hour, he stopped on the top of a hill and he said, this is where I hit the pig, right down in this valley. And so just be look, looking out for something. And so me and one of the younger guys said, we'll protect the girls. So we stood up and, and um, on the, it was one of these open, open flatbed trucks, you know, so we were standing there and we're driving down the hill and 
Sure enough, there's some trees in front of us laying across the road. And I'm thinking, this isn't good. And the truck slows down and the bushes start to shake. And out from the bushes come about six guys dressed in war paint and grass skirts and knives and bow and arrows. And they threw our driver out down Just the hill, kidnapped us. And <laughs> and I remember scary. in the in the vehicle, one of the girls, I was shaking. I was so scared. And there's just the, there's just one lady, a little older, and she said, Ian, you have a camera. Take a picture. It'll be worth something. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going to take a picture. They'll kill me. <laughs> and after maybe 10 minutes of driving. 10 minutes. Well, I mean, we were terrified. And eh, maybe after five minutes, we realized they're probably not going to kill us. And um, after 10 minutes, we pull into this village and they all jump out and they're all speaking English now. They weren't speaking English at first. And, hey, welcome to our village. It was all a complete setup. And another truck pulls up with our missionary and uh, it traumatized us. I remember writing our parents and, you know, we, we, we'd talk on the phone occasionally and said, you know, we got kidnapped, but everything's good. We'll tell you more about it when we get home. But I, th- I think about it now and I'm like, you know, that probably wouldn't fly today. No. In today's world with mission trips. But, um. It had a lasting impact, for sure. In a good way or a bad way? Well, for me, it was fine. I mean, I think I think maybe the, the younger kids, the um, the the leaders, two kids were were pretty traumatized. They crawled into a duffel bag when it was happening. And um, and one other interesting thing about that scene before we wrap it up, the narrator Scott Stewart is the guy who speaks the the uh, foreign language. Oh, he went on YouTube and found some guy speaking and. <laughs> Papua New Guinea language. He did a good job. Yeah. And sounded authentic. That's Scott. Yeah, I have no idea what he's saying. <laughs> if anyone knows Papua New Guinea language, please tell us what he said. He's probably or, it's ordering, bad. ordering a coffee or something like that. Or... <laughs> so yes, That's long funny. answer, we did get kidnapped. Wow. That is a, a, a very traumatic experience. I guess it would make you put you in that situation and really make you think through what would I do in my life? Am I right before God? I'll make you think a lot of things. I guess. But it may... It, <laughs> Kidnapping those, as a ministry tool? I don't understand what they were thinking, but I'm glad you didn't get kidnapped and I'm glad you're okay. <laughs> that's very funny. All right. Well, that's going to do it uh, for this episode of the Brinkman Podcast. Uh, join us again next time where we talk about more about the stories that we're telling and the uh, the facts and the fiction and the stories behind the stories. And uh, for this episode, I'm Eric Schilder. And I'm Sarah Boltman. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.